Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. I hope you're taking notes today. I'm preaching all summer long about the Spirit-filled life, how to follow the Holy Spirit in your life, the person, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Today I want to talk to you about the attitudes of a Spirit-filled person. The attitudes of a Spirit-filled person. The attitudes that you need in your life if you are a Spirit-filled believer. Write this down if you're taking notes. I hope that you're taking notes. One of the first attitudes of a Spirit-filled person, they take notes in church. Uh, Write this down if you're taking notes. Your life, your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I could tell you like this, your life is moving in the direction of your strongest attitude. The attitude of your life determines the direction of your life. If you don't like where you are, it's probably because of some attitude, some thought, some thought pattern, something in your heart that has got you in the position that you're in. There's an old saying that is true. Your attitude determines your altitude. Good, three or four of you. The rest of you... Never heard that before, so it's, I should have took credit for it. Your attitude determines your altitude. It determines how high you go in this world, in your job, on, in your marriage, with your children, in your parenting, in your spiritual life, in your emotional health, in your mental health. Your attitude determines where you end up. You are exactly in the place in your marriage, in your career, in your relationship, in your friendship, in your health, in your spiritual life, you are exactly in the place your attitude has brought you. And I got good news or bad news for you. You will be tomorrow in the place that your attitude brings you. You cannot look around at your life and think, man, I don't like where we are spiritually. I don't like the the emotional state I'm in. I don't like the mental health situation I'm in. I don't like the marriage that we're in now. If your attitude isn't right, you will not like anything about your life. You could go to the worst job tomorrow morning. You could open that door and walk into the, the, this, a terrible boss, an awful situation. And if you do it with the right attitude, it's amazing how your life will be different than everybody else in the room. You could go home. Everybody look straight ahead, all the married people. You could go home with a jerk today. (laughs) Hopefully it's the same jerk you came here with. Anyway, you you could go home to the smallest apartment. You could go home to the least amount in your bank account. But your attitude can change everything in your life. Now, I'm going to preach about end times today and your attitude. And I know you think, man, this is, I, I don't know about end times and my attitude. I thought when we talked about end times, I thought we were talking about blood moons and blood rivers and blood wars and just blood, really. I just said end times all about blood and I thought that was it. But let me give you a sign of the end times you may not have heard before. This is an actual sign of the end times according to God's word. And listen, when you look around the world, now I'm not going to sugarcoat that for you. I think we are uh, near the end of days. I don't know what that means. I don't know exactly how long that means. 
I'm just telling you the world's getting worse and worse. It's not going to get better. Culture is moving rapidly towards secularism and hedonism. And and honestly, I think there are some uh, very strong spiritual battles that are happening in culture now. But let me give you something you may not recognize when you watch uh, whatever news channel or you're on the internet that that attitudes are an end time sign. Let me show it to you in God's Word. 2 Timothy 3, if you have your Bible. 2 Timothy 3, Paul writes to Timothy, his son in the gospel, this young pastor, and he says, hey, I just want you to know there's some things you're going to notice about the end times, about the world that we're living in. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. Paul says, but mark this. In other words, take note of this. Matter of fact, I want you to do this when you're watching the news this week, when you're on the internet this week, when you're on social media. I want you to mark this. There will be, everybody say terrible, terrible times in the last days. Some of you are thinking, well, I know that. You look around, tell what's happening in culture. You look around, tell what's happening with our children and what's happening in Hollywood and what's happening in movies and what's happening with corporations and You can tell this is terrible times. And then Paul gives a description of what he means by terrible times. Here it is, next verse. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Some of you are thinking, man, it's Armageddon in my house. If that's the end times... Is Armageddon where I am. Disobedient to their parents. Here it is. What's these last four things? Verse 3. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, and unforgiving. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, and unforgiving. These are the attitudes of the end times. I know you're thinking, man, I, I didn't think those would be the attitudes I would see. But now, that, let me teach it to you from God's Word. And then when you, when you start looking around, I want you to see, man, this is really the attitude that is pervasive in our culture right now. Then I want to give you, before we leave today, I want to give you the spirit-filled attitudes of a believer, how you should live your life. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write this down. The, I call them the uns. There's four uns in that last one. Number one is ungrateful. Ungrateful. Ungratefulness. Have you noticed this more and more in culture, ungratefulness, this attitude? Any business leaders notice this in the people that you hire? Some of them may work here. Don't look. (laughs) Ungratefulness everywhere. Have you noticed this in your children? Keep looking right ahead. In your teenagers, your 20-somethings, your 30-somethings that still live with you? Have you noticed ungratefulness in in them? Listen, we get so focused on what we want, we forget to focus on what we already have ungratefulness is a sign of the end times that it's never enough it's never and here's the word I didn't put it on the screen but you need to write it down let me give you a sign an attitude of the end time is entitlement entitlement it's a spirit of the age I deserve this I'm entitled to this. You're entitled to this. Yeah, I'm entitled to $24 an hour to make fries at your establishment. You're entitled to this. You're 21. You've built nothing with your life. You graduated with a 2.5 GPA, and you want $24 an hour to flip burgers. Yeah, if you want me to work here, I do. 
It's entitlement. Are you with me, everybody? It's, it's, it's in all segments of our culture. It's everywhere that you go. I'm entitled to whatever it is I want pleasure. I, I'm entitled to, 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 to whatever it is that I want. I'm entitled to new stuff. I'm entitled to material things. I'm entitled to whatever that feels good to me. And, and if you're not careful, you'll end up ungrateful for the stuff you have because you're entitled to new stuff. You look down at your phone and you think, man, this is a good one, but they just came out with the iPhone 29 or whatever it is now. You know they make these things die so that you'll buy another one every year. You don't understand how that works, but you feel like, man, I, I, this is a piece of junk. This one doesn't even work anymore. This, one, this only has six cameras on it. The new one's got eight cameras on it. I, I don't even like this. The new one's smaller. It's faster. It's better. It can do more. And, I, and, and you end up ungrateful for the thing you do have because you feel entitled to the new thing. Say amen to that, everybody. By the way, it happens in marriages. It happens in relationships. It happens in career. I'm ungrateful for this. I think I could do better than this. I I think I could do better than this husband. I think I could do better than this wife. I think I could do better than this friendship. I think I could do better than this church. I know y'all don't feel that way, but other pastors tell me that's how their people feel. I could do better than this. I could. I just always need something new and better. And and and, and listen, it happens to Brandy and I looking at my phone, thinking I want something better. But I remember what it was like when I got my first Walkman cassette player. Is anybody old enough on this right here? You had to flop that thing up. And listen, when you got to really getting after it, it would open up like that. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? It'd come out on you. You'd be messed up. And I feel like those earbuds were, I, they were, they were more comfortable than what we got now. Now we push them in our ears. And I, and then I remember, man, my, my, my Walkman cassette, I upgraded to the portable CD player. There was a time in my life I would wear it on my belt loop, my portable CD player. You had to run real smooth or it would skip on you. You know what I mean? You had to just. (laughs) And now my phone's not good enough. Now I'm ungrateful for what I have. I was reading about a book recently called The Progress Paradox. You should buy it and read it. The premise of the progress paradox is that we are getting better off as a culture and we are more miserable than we've ever been. It is the progress paradox of your life that we have more than we've ever had and we're more ungrateful for what we have. We live in bigger houses than we've ever lived in and we want even more. We drive nicer vehicles than we've ever driven and we want... You ever look back over your life and think, about the salaries you used to make. And you ever, Brandy and I, sometimes we look at ourselves and think, how did we live off of and then fill in the blank? You know what I mean? Our, our first full, this, this is a true story. I wish it wasn't true. I don't know if the pastor I worked for 24 years ago watches me anymore, but if you do, thank you uh, for giving us a shot. We probably weren't worth this, but we made $275 a month. A month. Now, 24 years ago is a long time. Okay, it's a long, it ain't that long ago, everybody. It's not Great Depression. 20, I mean, $275 didn't go far. We was hustling everywhere. Brandy had a job. I was side hustling everywhere. We could do everything we could do. But we made it. And, we were, and it doesn't matter how much more you have. Listen, if you have an attitude of ungratefulness, it will always not be enough. I was reading for this message about how people have choice anxiety. Choice anxiety. We have too many choices and it makes us anxious. This happens to me on the cereal aisle at H-E-B. 
I have choice anxiety. Do I want Lucky Charms? The answer is always yes. Do I want Captain Crunch? The answer is always yes. Do I want Honey Bunches of Oats with almonds in it? The answer is always yes. I could keep going to you, amen. Do I want honeycomb? The answer is always yes. So I end up like Jerry Seinfeld with 10 boxes of cereal on my shelf because I have choice anxiety. I I can't choose. There are too many options, too many good things. Listen, the problem with too many good things is you won't determine the great things in your life. You won't pick the right things because there are so many good things. It's why we have people getting married later and later in life. If you're single today, I'm not talking about you, but I know other single adults who wait later and later in life, not because they don't have enough money, that's what they'll tell you, not because they don't have a home, that's what you'll hear, not because society's against them, that's what critical theory teaches them, that's not why. It's because they have choice anxiety because they're afraid if they marry somebody now that tomorrow they're going to meet somebody better. And I just can't choose one. I just can't. What if I settle down with the wrong one? Listen, as soon as you accept how good you have it, the better off your life will be. Say amen to that. Gratefulness. I didn't write this on the screen, but put it in your notes. Gratefulness is the doorway to blessing, by the way. Gratefulness is the doorway to blessing. Gratefulness is the doorway to the blessing of God in your life. My little 11-year-old girl has figured this out. Gratefulness is the doorway to blessing in daddy's home. Come on. It's the doorway. You can get more if there's gratefulness. It's the same thing true with your heavenly father. Gratefulness is the doorway to blessing. Number two, ungrateful was the first one. Number two, unholy. Ungrateful and unholy, it said. I recently preached about this. I won't spend much time. But there is an unholy spirit loose in our age. And let me, let me teach you very strong, not strong. Can you handle strong preaching, everybody? I mean like a garlic milkshake strong. You know what I'm saying? Like strong. <laughs> when you allow compromise in your life, it doesn't just destroy your spiritual life. It'll destroy you mentally and it will rob you of your joy. You believe you're making spiritual decisions when you compromise with sin, and you are. But you are also making emotional and mental compromises that will destroy you because you're going to carry around all this guilt and all this shame and all this stuff in your mind that you're the only one that knows what you've done. And your choices start polluting your life, your music, your movies, the magazines, the stuff you're consuming. It destroys. Listen, it's an attitude that destroys. It's unholiness. And I know it's old-fashioned, but we are still holiness people. Say amen to that. God still calls us to a life of holiness and separation. and, And there's something different about us than it is the world. I like to say it this way. You cannot make a difference if you're not Different. If you're not different, you're not going to make a difference in your world. Unholiness is a sign of the end time. Number three, unloving. Unloving. Un- unholy and ungrateful. And number three, he said, as people are lovers of themselves, they're unloving. Do you know what love is? The Greek word for love in this particular context is agape. It is unselfish. Love, it is unconditional, completely about others' love. Love is intentionally choosing to do something for somebody else regardless of the cost or the consequence to yourself. 
It is saying it's not about me and my desire and my want and my need, but love is about you. Say amen to that. And in the last days, listen, the Bible says we would be no longer moved by love. That love wouldn't be the motivation of our hearts. I think you see it everywhere in culture. We don't have a regard for life anymore. We disregard people. We disregard children. It's why we have more women and children in sexual slavery today than at any time in human history. We have a complete disregard for the unborn. We're able to do away with them at any time in the pregnancy. We are canceling people, ghosting people, gaslighting people. Why? Because you and I are in a culture that is unloving. And Jesus is calling us to something different. That we're to love one another. That we're to love. There's no love. Instead, it's selfishness. What's in it for me and our hearts get polluted. And it's poisonous to our attitude. It's an end time spirit. It's loose in the earth. Ungratefulness, unholiness, unloving. Here's the last one, unforgiving. Unforgiving. These are the four uns of the Old Testament. I'm sorry, of the, of the New Testament of the end times. The four uns, ungratefulness, unholiness, unloving, and unforgiving. Unforgiving is probably the most dangerous attitude of all. Listen, because it's the poison that you drink thinking it's killing the other person. It's the thing that destroys you from the... If there's a cancer on the inside of you that will destroy your soul... It is unforgiveness. It's carrying around bitterness. Have you ever met somebody who's always mad at somebody? Just always angry at something. How was your trip? Well, it was fine, but the traffic was terrible. I hate these roads. I hate TxDOT. That's actually not too far off, but I, I hate... I'm kidding. I'm, I'm praying for TxDOT. Praying for a Bucky's miracle in Jesus' name. <laughs> I, I, how was your dinner out? It was fine, but my food was cold. I, how, how, how's your how's, how's job? It's okay, I guess. I got to work somewhere. You say, well, that doesn't sound like unforgiveness. No, I'm giving you the fruit of the bitterness on the inside. It's a cancer on the inside when nothing gives you joy anymore. You carry it around. It's unforgiveness. Listen to me. Unforgiveness is the spout on the bottom of your heart that will drain out every bit of joy in your life. You get joy poured in the top of you and it'll pour out just as fast as it comes in. Joy just can't stay long enough. You'll be happy. You'll find somebody. You'll, these are the people. Keep looking straight ahead because some of y'all feel like think I'm talking about somebody. Keep looking right ahead at me. Joy, you'll find somebody who thinks, man, I found them in a good mood today. You ever met people like that? I found them today. Oh, man, I got them. And then about an hour later, you're like, oh, boy, what would I do? What would I say? Why did, why did this happen? Why did I have to say that? I'm so dumb. I shouldn't have said anything like that. Let me tell you what it is. There's a spout in the bottom of their heart that's open. It's unforgiveness. And as soon as joy comes in, it doesn't take long till it leaks out. You can't hold joy. A few years ago, I had a church member that told me they had to go to two different Christmases at Christmas time because their mom, I'm not talking about blended families, I'm not talking about divorced families, just their mom and sister wouldn't talk to each other, so they both held Christmas at different times. Look into my eyes. Let me give you God's word for you. If you don't catch anything else I say, hear this today. 
Get over it. Just get over it. Jesus is coming back and we don't need unforgiveness in our hearts. We don't need to harbor that stuff. Just get over it. Don't try to discuss it. Don't schedule an intervention. Don't keep rehearsing it. Don't blame it. Just choose today to forgive them. You're not going to like their answer anyway. You're not going to like their apology anyway. So just forgive. Just get over. Especially believers. Listen. Because you want God to forgive you, you have to forgive others. Let me give you one of the most damning verses in this whole book. Jesus would say that the measure that you measure out mercy, that's how God the Father measures mercy to you at the great white throne judgment. You hear that? The same measuring stick that you measure out forgiveness and mercy to others at the great white throne, God the Father will measure that same amount to you. Listen to me. I need a lot of mercy and forgiveness in my life, so just be a forgiving person. Say amen to that. The four uns, it's tragic. People who are on the receiving end of these attitudes... But honestly, it's damaging our souls to be ungrateful and unholy and unloving and and, and things in our lives that just unforgiving. You need a breath of fresh air. Listen, you need some wind in your cells. And God wants to heal our land. And I believe this with all of my heart. God wants to give us an end time harvest and revival. All of those five cities you saw, God wants to fill up churches and campuses and houses with believers. He He wants to to breathe revival in our land and in our community but he will not if our hearts are a mess say amen to that we got to get our heart we need the spirit of God to revive our hearts our attitudes Jesus put it like this in John 10 and 10 the thief comes only to do three things steal kill and destroy But I've come that you may have, everybody shout life. Shout life and have it to the full. One translation says abundant life, abundant life. I actually like that translation better. I think Christians ought to live abundant lives. I said you ought to live abundant lives. We ought to have abundant lives. We ought to live life. I choose life. The spirit-filled life, listen to me, look at me, is a choice for abundance. It is not circumstantial. It is a choice against end time attitudes and it's a choice to live an abundant life. The people you meet that have the most joy, that seem to be the most grateful, the people who have the right attitude, it is not because their lives are easy, because they have no problems and everything comes easy for them. It's because they choose to live differently than the world. Say amen to that. I want you to choose that way. I want you to have some good medicine. And you need a little fresh air in your... Matter of fact, take a deep breath, everybody. Hold it. Somebody sent me breathing techniques the other day. All right, let it out. I just want to see how long he's going to do it. You need some fresh air. You need some good... Proverbs 17.22. You need to write this down. Proverbs 17.22. This needs to be your verse for the week. A cheerful heart is what? Good medicine. It's good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I've met some dried up bones, some old crusty boned 
spirit-filled people. And a, listen, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Now, I'm not telling you that you may not need some other medicine. If you've been clinically diagnosed, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about if you need help. I'm not talking about if you've got chemical imbalances. I'm not talking about any of that. But I am telling you this. I know some good medicine that will get you out of depression, pull you out of anxiety, take care of your fear, take care of the worry of your life. It is a cheerful heart, a heart of joy, a heart of the Spirit of God, a heart grounded in the presence of the Lord. It is good medicine in your life. Say amen to that. It ought to be good medicine. Are, are you receiving this today? Is this okay preaching? I want to talk about your attitude. That's why the Bible says it like this in Nehemiah 8 and 10. Let me give you where some help comes from, some good medicine. The Bible says the what? The You didn't say it like you meant it. The what? The joy of the Lord is your strength. If that's true, and it is, that the joy of the Lord is your strength then I have met some people who would lose an arm wrestling match with a mosquito. They don't have a bit of strength in their lives. There is a weight on their shoulders and their little old mouth is just pulled down. Daddy used to say it looks like a mule eating briars. I don't even know what that means. They just frowning all the time and mad all the time. No strength. Look at me. I'm, de- I'm just telling you, I, the epidemic of tired, how you doing? Well, I'm fine. I'm tired. What, you, you worked a, what, 17, 18 hour work week? Oh, gosh. You must need a Sabbath. <laughs> I mean, don't overdo it. My Lord, 20, 22 hours this week. Dear God. Don't, don't do too much. You were four hours in a row all day today? Four hours? And like all four of them back to back? You must be exhausted with that. Let me tell you where the epidemic of exhaustion comes from. Look at me. I know this stands in the face of everything you hear from culture that we're overworking and people want to work remote and people want free time and people want... No, let me tell you what it is. They don't have any strength because they don't have the joy of the Lord on the inside of them. The joy of the Lord is the strength up. It's the stuff on the inside that determines how you handle the stuff on the outside. It's the joy of the Lord on the inside of me. You need to decide I'm not going to fall apart at the littlest of things. I'm going to handle my life with joy. Shout amen to that. This is a joy-filled church. It's not happy people because happy people depend on good circumstances. Everything going right. Money in the bank. Health report good. I'm not preaching about happiness. You ought to have the joy of the Lord on the inside of you. When this music starts and the lights go down, I love it on Sunday morning, you ought to be the first on your feet. All the white people ought to be doing this because y'all can't dance. Just do this. Just do something. All the Latinos got something else. You know what I mean? Y'all got a little something. Do something. Move something. Clap something. Sing something. Get joy on the inside of you. It'll give you strength in your life. How do spirit-filled people make it through the hardest seasons of their life? Because they got the joy of the Lord. It's an attitude on the inside of them. I want you to get wind back in your cells. I want you to examine your thoughts. Are you prone to negativity? 
Do you feel like a victim all your life? Do you overreact to things? Look straight ahead. Have you asked the Holy Spirit to guide you? What am I going to do? How do I change my attitude? Let me give you four ways to have a spirit-filled attitude. Have the attitude of a spirit-filled believer. Number one, write these down. This is the hardest one. You got to make the choice every day. Make the, everybody say choice. Make the choice every day. You got to choose to be spirit-filled. Listen, driving on I-10... You got to choose it every 15 or 20 seconds. Come on, somebody. Drive it on 1604. It's second by second. Second by second. I'm choosing joy again. Some of our team used to live in Stone Oak. And I, the other day I had to go uh, over on the east side of San Antonio. It took me almost two hours on 1604 to get to the east side of San Antonio. It was a choice to stay saved. You're all, listen, I... I I almost had to call our trustees and get me out of jail, somebody. I mean, it was a choice. You can choose to be joy-filled, have a positive attitude, but nothing in your life is going to want to do that. One trip to Walmart, and you'll think, I can't do this anymore. I can't. This is all I got. God, I had joy, and then I bought groceries, and I just lost all my joy. You have got to choose it every day. And I know you're thinking, well, if good things happen, then I'll be full of joy. If my spouse acts right, I'll be full of joy. If he doesn't say something stupid, then I'll be full of joy. If my boss, if that old jerk decides to do the right thing, then I'll, I'll be full of joy. If, if that person doesn't take my parking spot and H-E-B again, I'll be full of joy. If that coffee doesn't spill on my shirt, I'll be full of joy. No, my attitude isn't determined by what happens to me. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to what happens to you. The best way to start your day is to decide on Monday morning, I am going to have an attitude of joy today. My attitude is going to be positive today. I'm not going to live ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. I'm going to live with an attitude of joy. Shout amen to that. Recently read a story about a senior adult who was admitted into a nursing home. My grandmother on my dad's side had Alzheimer's, an awful, terrible disease. Ten years, she was here but not here. I remember going to the nursing home seeing her in a situation just like this. They were taken down a long, drab hallway, wheeled into the room that she had to share with another person. It was dark, didn't smell the best. All that, all that was in the room, I read this story, all that was in the room in this particular nursing home was a bed pressed against the wall, a little twin-sized bed, and a tiny little dresser. Nothing else earthly possession in this world. This is the quote I read. Happiness is something you decide on ahead of time. Whether I like my room doesn't depend on how the furniture is arranged. Listen to this. This is the quote I read. It's how I arrange my mind that matters. It's how my mind is arranged when I go to church. It's how my mind is arranged when I go to work. How do you do that? You pray first. You pray first. That's why we have prayer every January, 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's why this August, listen, I'm so happy to tell you, we're we're hosting a three-night revival nights, red-hot revival nights in August. It's going to be an amazing time. Thank you to both of you who are going to be there, but I'd love for the rest of you to come. 
I said we're hosting revival nights in August. It's going to be... Why revival? Why are we doing old school? Because look at me. The old school is the new school. You hear me. We need revival. We need the breath of God in our life. We, I need that. I need to recenter my life. I read a good prayer to begin your day. Dear Lord, so far today I'm doing all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy. I haven't been grumpy, nasty, selfish, or self-indulgent. Today I have not whined. I haven't cussed. I hadn't eaten any chocolate. But I'm about to get out of the bed in a few minutes, and I need a lot more help with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you a real prayer. Psalm 1914, write this down. Here's a prayer to pray every morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Get up tomorrow morning say, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to God. You got to choose it every day. Number two, you got to develop a high appreciation for life. You got to develop a high appreciation for life. How? People who have a high appreciation for life don't have everything they want, but they know God is working everything out for their good. You need to have a high appreciation for life. Nothing gets people like this down. No matter what their... I love Paul's attitude, 2 Corinthians 6 and 10. The Bible says... Paul said it like this. He said, I'm sorrowful. What's that next word? I'm sorrowful. Yet, I'm always rejoicing. I'm poor. Yet, I'm making many other people rich. Some of y'all think that's what I do every day. (laughs) I have nothing and... Yet I possess. Listen, you need to get a yet in your spirit. You can be a realist and look at your life and still say, Yet I got an attitude that pleases God. I'm going to develop a high appreciation for life. Here's the secret be grateful. In a world full of entitlement, negative thinking, and ungratefulness, people living in depression, you got to stand out. The Holy Spirit will help you develop a high appreciation for your life. Give thanks, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pastor, what do I do? Give thanks. What's God's will for my life? Give thanks. Give thanks. If it's raining, I'm grateful. If it's sunny, I'm grateful. If it's 70 degrees, I'm a little more grateful. If it's 103, Nancy's grateful, and I'm grateful if they're... If there's trials in my life, I'm grateful. If I'm blessed, I'm grateful. If I have work, I'm grateful. If I don't, I'm grateful. If we got a small house that's warm, I'm grateful. If I got a big ranch, I'm grateful. If I got a new truck, I'm grateful. If I got a 10-year-old truck that gets me there, I'm grateful. You got to develop a high appreciation for your life. Listen to me. Look into my eyes. Remember when you prayed for the life that you're currently complaining about. Remember the days when you prayed for the life that you're complaining about. Develop a high appreciation for life. I'm giving you a spirit-filled attitude. Walk into Mark grateful. Grateful I got a job. Grateful we got a house. Grateful we got babies. Grateful we got clothes. Grateful we got food to eat. Grateful, I'm grateful, I'm grateful, I'm grateful.
grateful. I, I, we just celebrated 23 years of marriage, Brandy and I, Fred. Grateful. I'm grateful. 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 Grateful she didn't kill me. Grateful she didn't leave. Gratefulness. Develop a high appreciation for life. Number three, you got to find something positive in everything. You got to find something positive in absolutely everything. Everything. Something is positive about anything. Everything you in your life, you can find something. Matter of fact, I'd start with people. I'd find something positive about people. Your mama used to say, if you can't say anything nice, try that. Try that. Try to, try to find something positive in everything. People either irritate you, listen, or you can look at them and be entertained by them. Come on, some people just... I've decided some people just entertain me. They don't irritate me anymore. I just, I'm not laughing at them. I'm laughing at them. <laughs> Find something positive in everything. People are either a problem to be avoided or a person to be loved. Find something positive. Think on positive things. Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true and whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Be positive. Have a high appreciation for life. Here's the last thing, and then I'll pray for you. If you're going to have a spirit-filled attitude in a world of ungratefulness, unloving, uncaring, unforgiving, unholy, if you're going to have a spirit-filled attitude, you got to learn how to turn everything over to God. Number four, turn everything over to God. The fact is, trouble is coming your way. Every Sunday I preach to hundreds and hundreds of people who are either just coming out of a storm, in the middle of a storm, or about to walk into a storm. That's the world we live in. That's the life we have. So you're going to have to learn to turn everything over to God everything over to God turn that job over to God you're going to have every reason to have a bad attitude tomorrow turn it over to God the mistake you made as a spirit filled believer isn't having a problem it's what you do with the problem I'm just going to give this to God I'm just going to give this heartbreak to God I'm going to give this situation to God I'm going to give this business to God I'm going to give these employees to God I'm going to give this employer to God I'm going to give this marriage to God, this diagnosis to God, these finances to God, this pregnancy to God. I'm going to give everything I've got, every problem I'm in, every situation, every, every circumstance I'm worried, I'm going to give it to God. Here's the secret. One of the reasons you're not happy is because you're trying to do it all by yourself. Philippians 4 and 6 says, Do not be anxious about... Do not be anxious about... I looked up the word anything in the Greek and it means nothing but in everything find a place of prayer and petition and thanksgiving give it to God and then the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds listen let me teach you for a moment it is impossible it is impossible it is impossible for it to be your problem and God's problem at the same time. It's impossible. It's impossible for you to hold it and God to hold it at the same time. 
He's not going to wrestle it out of your hands. He's not going to take it from you. You're either going to give it to God or you're going to hold on to it, try to deal with it yourself. So give it to God. Cast all your anxiety on Him. Choose a Christ-like attitude. Choose a Christ-like attitude. Let me give you the final summary. Philippians 2 and 5. I love this translation. Your attitude should be the same of Jesus who being in very nature God didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness so that he shouldn't be made equal with God being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross therefore God exalted him to the highest place gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father the attitude that's in Jesus should be the attitude that's in you that I'm humbled myself to God God's Lord of my life that the attitudes around me of ungratefulness and unholiness and unforgiveness they won't get in me I'm going to live different I'm going to choose every day a different attitude I'm going I'm to live my life with a high appreciation for everything I got I'm going to turn everything over to God I'm not going to hoard in my I'm going to find something positive in my life every part of my life and I'm going to live with a spirit filled attitude Bow your heads now, Lord Jesus. Pray for people in the room today who are dealing with that attack of the enemy, that ungratefulness, unloving, uncaring, unforgiving spirit of the age. God, they may not have realized before today that you had a choice. You got a choice. Your attitude belongs to you. Today, you're given the choice of life and death. Choose life. Choose life today. Choose to be life-giving and spirit-filled. Let your attitude reflect that. And you can't choose any of that till you choose Jesus first unless Jesus changes your heart. It really all begins with a vibrant, life-giving, real relationship with God. So if you've never prayed a prayer of surrender, let me lead you in that today. Everybody in the room, I can't pray this prayer for you, but I can pray it along with you. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. Here's the part only you can pray from the depths of your soul. Say, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Make me brand new. God, I want a new life a fresh start so I give you my whole life today forgive me save me be the Lord of my life for the rest of my life in Jesus mighty name and all God's people shout a big amen amen do you receive the word of the Lord today over your heart you receive God's word thank you for joining us today and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry you know it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. 
And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.